Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brennan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're back with another edition of the Edge Podcast. Putting a bow tie on spring football as the Oregon State football team is officially wrapped up. 2023 spring football practices had their spring game this last weekend. DJ and I were there. We broke it down. I know you guys have seen our coverage and reactions. Uh, so we'll definitely be getting into the nitty gritty of that. We'll be talking the off season, uh, some transfer portal. We'll be talking, you know, biggest needs for the Beavers, uh, position group battles, the whole nine yards. So again, thanks for joining us here on this edition of the Edge Podcast. TJ, what's going on, man? Uh, you about ready to get outside and enjoy what little uh, sunshine uh, we have left? It's going to be an awesome couple days coming up, man. This has been the first day all year I've worn shorts, which is it's incredible that we had to wait until, what is it, April 26th to do it. But better late than never. And you know what? I'm going to get two more days of it this week, maybe three if you include Saturday as well. I'm looking forward to Friday. If you're going to come down here to Corvallis on Friday for – for the baseball game against Arizona, 7 o'clock first pitch. I mean, the weather is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be great. It's yes. supposed to be a high of 84 down here on uh, on uh, on Friday. Oh, it's it's going to be awesome. And like you said, we've been subjected to some pretty rough temperatures uh, this, uh, this winter. You know, I feel like we've had a long winter, not so much just like snow all the time or anything like that, but just TJ like the, the cold rain stuck. Like, you know this. You were in it for some fall camp or rather spring camp practices, the cold rain persisted into April. I I wasn't having it. And that was only two weeks ago. I know. I know. Right and now we're now, now I'm back to wearing t-shirt and shorts, which I won't complain. It was summer weather. Hurry up. Yeah, Hurry up. no, that's, that's, that's Oregon in the spring, right? A little bit of a roller coaster up and down for sure. But uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to, uh, it's going to be awesome for, and now that spring football is over for, uh, you know, you mentioned getting down to some baseball games. I won't be able to get down to uh, the Arizona series this weekend, TJ. I'm taking a little bit of a vacation now that uh, spring football is wrapped up. I get, I get uh, You're holding out for Western Carolina. <laughs> There's another series. We got, uh, I think, is it? Uh, Utah and U- Western U- Carolina. Yeah, after. Utah. I'll be at the Utah series for sure. And I think we got a, a couple non-conference games and, Still holding out. There's there's still a chance, TJ. They could uh, they could figure their way into maybe regional hosts. So you never know. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played, but uh, not a lot of baseball on this pod. Obviously, the Beavers uh, dropped two of three to Arizona State uh, over the weekend. Uh, got Grand Canyon on Monday, and then as TJ mentioned, are back with Arizona this week. But uh, we'll save uh, baseball for the next podcast. We got plenty of spring football stuff uh, to get into. Is again. Uh, Things are heating up. I mean, you know, obviously Oregon State wrapped up spring football. It was, you know, a pretty quick spring session, it seemed, but it was, you know, just as long as normal. And now, um, you know, we're seeing the reactions on the recruiting trail. And, you know, I would highly encourage everyone to head on over to beaversedge.com. Our uh, recruiting analyst, Dylan Callahan Crowley, has been, you know, awesome at getting the reactions from across the board. And, you know, TJ, you and I and several other media members were really impressed with, you know, how the stadium looked, uh, how the experience was on Saturday, how great the weather was, everything we're hearing from the recruits that were there, which were a ton. And again, if you want those individual reactions, head to beaversedge.com, some good stuff there. It sounds like uh, things went off, went off without a hitch this weekend. Some awesome reviews so far coming in from the kids in the recruiting trail. And I was kind of impressed with the products they put on the field as well for the yeah. fans, which was refreshing. I was, 
fully expecting to be bored. I've, I'd never <laughs> covered a spring game before. I was really just expecting two hand touch, but no, it sure. was great. It was, it was enjoyable and it was good to see some, some groups really get to stand out. Even if, you know, um, even if some of the more well-known players, Anthony Gould, Jake Levengood, et cetera, didn't get sure. an opportunity to play. Still saw some pretty impressive performances. I can imagine why the why the recruits would be be that impressed with with what they saw on the field as well. It was a it was an overall it was a good performance, and you yeah. know especially if those guys were watching Aiden Childs. I mean, man, oh man, that dude was that dude's awesome. Yeah, there's there's I said we'll be we'll be getting him into him in the quarterback competition here momentarily. But like you said, you know it was a. It was a, you know, uh, a, never a never a boring moment, you know, throughout the day. And that always can't be said about a spring game for sure. And, you know, also got to give a shout out to some of the uh, Beaver's Edge subscribers that were there. Got to catch up with uh, Hard Rock Fan and Go Beef 77. Uh, shout out to you guys. It was fun to uh, catch up, talk a little football. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the weather being fantastic, TJ. And uh, more than anything, how about the attendance, right? That was yeah. one of the more attended spring games, if not the most attended uh, that I've seen since I've been with the, you know, covering the program since 2014. The buzz around Oregon State football is real, TJ. And, you know, based on, you know, the the round of applause that DJ got when he t- uh, went out there for quarterback, the round of applause that Aiden got, um, you know, Oregon State fans are, they, they're, you know, the expectations monster TJ is uh, going to need to be fed a little bit now after this 10 win campaign. Beaver fans are expecting something this year. I just don't know what everyone's going to do over the summer. Like, what, what are they get? What are they going to just be staring at the transfer portal? Well, again, <laughs> we'll have a, we'll have a little bit of a conversation on some potential lads and some some potential subtractions into the portal later on in this podcast. But from as far as I can tell, that's the only thing people are going to be able to do because everything you saw out there at the spring game further confirmed that that is the expectation of, of the 10 win season. You saw sure. the talent in the quarterback room. You saw the defensive line play against a, you know, kind of a banged up offensive line. They didn't, didn't play a great game, but you know, the thing great teams do is they rush the passer extremely well. And sure. that's exactly what the Beavers did. And Takari Hickel really, really stood out for that spring game. And you see all those things and you see Joe Swen making plays, uh, in the secondary as well you saw everything you wanted to see with that so uh there there's there was nothing there to suggest otherwise unless you want to nitpick and said dj looked didn't look great like okay it is uh it is still april so there's yeah. not too much to too much to really fret about with that but just think you know dj's got a whole summer to to build some more chemistry in this offense and he's got a whole fall camp as well we're still sure. yes go win the job yeah, no, I, and, and it's a good thing you mentioned that because, you know, the your assessment is, is spot on, right? I don't think DJ necessarily showed enough throughout spring to warrant, you know, running away with the competition, and that's why we're, I think we're seeing uh, and even, you know, some great discussions on, you know, the damn board on Beaver's Edge talking about, you know, is Childs really in this mix? And I think, you know, you and I have kind of, you know, looked at it from multiple angles, talked about the fact that, you know, maybe he – ran more against, you know, with the third team offense against the third team defense, how would he have looked potentially being more so in with the ones, you know, as best I could tell TJ, he never really ran much against that first team, you know, defense throughout the entirety of spring. So a little bit of an incomplete sample size, I think there, but for the most part, I still think, you know, the the situation remains largely the same. I think Childs offers tremendous long-term upside as in like, 
he, like, you know, he, he, you know, a, a year ago, you maybe start him as an 18 year old. And, and I sincerely believe that he literally has, you know, a chance, I think, to start like if he's, you know, class of, you know, year prior, I think he's got a shot. But the fact that, you know, DJ was as high profile as he was and, you know, the fact that, you know, he transferred in and, you know, all the expectations that come with it, I think it would just be um, it would be surprising for him to not win that job in year one. And I think ultimately, once he gets a handle on the playbook and the offense, I think his physical skills and, uh, you know, ability are going to offer the highest upside of the position. With all that, I think the coaches fully know what they have with Ben Goldbrunson. And I think he, you know, certainly is, you know, a known commodity. And there's something to be said about that, TJ. You know, uh, you know, Ben is a guy who proved he could win games, right? Does it mean that they can win all the games? Probably not, but some games, sure. So I think there's a lot of angles to consider when if you're Jonathan Smith and, and Brian Lindgren ultimately this summer, you know? Could Aiden Shells win you a football game right now? Sure. I think so. I think so too, right? From everything we saw, like there's nothing to suggest otherwise. I mean, what if he's running with the first team line and first team receivers? I mean, sure he's facing facing the uh, facing the the first team defense, but there's nothing there that out of structure, which I mentioned a lot in my Nuggets report because I think that's really where Aiden Chalice was showcasing of how well he can ad lib on a play. I mean, that dude, sure has some escapability in his game and the arm talent combined with that allows him to make plays. The other two guys uh, like either don't try to make or just won't can't make. So he's got a little, uh, he's got a little Lamar Jackson escapability, doesn't he? He does. He's quick. He is quick. The, The big difference between him and DJ as a runner though, which has been detailed as DJ is 250 pounds. Aiden Charles is, how much? One ninety. One ninety. Yeah, I think. And I like, think. And how well will how well would an eight trial stand up right now if he got just clocked by a linebacker if he if he didn't go down and slide? That's, yeah, one ninety five. That's the risk you run right there. Yeah, one ninety five. That's the risk you run with right with that. Now. Regardless, though, I I think in Charles going to a game right now, and that's what the coaching staff's going to think going into the sure. into August is, hey, we have three guys here who could win us games. Dead yeah. serious. This this is a real competition. I mean, the the it this is much different than what we saw last year. It, the the amount of excitement going into this sure. August, not only just surrounding this program, but I'm excited to watch this quarterback battle. It is going to be fascinating. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be very exciting. And like you said, for all those reasons, I think ever, all three guys can win you games. All three guys have you know different degrees of upside. Um, like you said, I think, um, you know, the fact DJ's frame, I think is going to be, you know, something that can definitely be an asset to Oregon state this year, especially from, you know, a mobility perspective, because he did that so well at Clemson this last year. And this is all to say that I, Brendan Slaughter fully expect DJ to still win the quarterback competition when all set, all is said and done. However, I think Aiden Childs has a real chance to seize that backup job. And that's not a knock against Ben. TJ, as much as it is how impressive Aiden's been. There are a lot of things that Aiden can do that Ben can't. I mean, yeah. It's just as simple as that. All the coaches can see it. Everyone sure. who's sitting there watching Aiden Charles play sees that he has a chance to, I mean, he, he could be 
arguably, is it a crazy thing to say that he could be the most talented quarterback they've had? Like, is that crazy to say? Like, ever? Probably not ever. I mean, Derek Anderson was a – Derek Anderson, I think, was a – Derek Anderson run like that? No, but Derek Anderson carved out a pretty good – he's, you know, I – I believe I'm I'm thinking right? along yeah. the lines of like uh, like Bill. I don't know if there's has there been a, like a combination of both of the of the arm and the legs. You're you're going to chuckle at me, but the 1962 Heisman Trophy winner Terry okay. Baker. I mean, okay. like, I mean different it's like, a, it's a very different like game. Different, like it's different a, it's era. a different game. Different era, but like you, you know, for the for the the video footage that does exist of Terry Baker and those Oregon State uh, fans who were, you know, lucky enough, you know, my granddad and whatnot, and can remember just about everything from those those years and whatnot. And again, just the idea of a Heisman Trophy coming to Corvallis is still something that is an enigma and of just something that needs needs to get so much more publicity and love than it does. But Terry Baker. Very dual threat guy, you know, owns the Oregon State record for longest run from scrimmage, 99 yards, can only be tied, can never be broken. And he would like, if we want to, just because Oregon State, you know, maybe Tim Alexander in the early 90s, you know, when Oregon State was running a wishbone offense, uh, but I don't think he nearly had the passing upside that Childs can offer. Terry Baker was, was, you know, really good at still passing the football, hence why he won the Heisman. Uh, but you know, uh, feel free for anyone to drop there, comments in this. But yeah, please do. I, it's just it's it's something to something to think about. We're a long way away from the conclusion of Aiden Charles's career. Well, let's remember he's just seventeen, right? From but if you want to talk, seen, but if you like, but like you said, if you want to talk pure ranking coming out of high school, the only quarterback that I think would best him would be Derek Anderson and Derek I think that's Anderson, because right. Derek, Derek Anderson was you know under our or uh U.S. Army all whatever it was all-American like right. goal you know like it was you know Derek Anderson was like an enigma coming out of you right. know Skephoos Oregon and all those things but even still it'd be close so yeah I mean like but, and like with, I said Derek said, Anderson yeah. was not running like Aiden Childs runs no. No, and you know, granted, he was a Pro Bowl quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, which is pretty hard to right. do, TJ. So just gotta throw yeah, that okay. out. Just gotta yeah, throw you know what? Hey, you hey, know hey. what? Well, I think the conversation ends right there, right, right at that moment. <laughs> just saying, hey, you know, I gotta give Derek his love, man. You know, he was he had a solid little uh, 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 moment where, in the sun. Where is he on that list of uh, that the Browns jersey with the number two on it and all the names oh. on it? Where is he on that list? Of all those dudes, is he right in the middle. Like, is he right in the middle? He, he's got to be. I mean, because like you think about it, like I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield, the one year he took Cleveland the playoffs, was a Pro Bowl quarterback. So it's since been eclipsed. But all the horrible quarterbacks that Cleveland ran through, like none of them were as good as Derek Anderson. And it's like you know, Derek Anderson won ten games. Baker Mayfield was the next quarter, next quarterback to win ten games, man. And you know, a lot of circumstances and reasons for that. But yeah, I mean, I think you know, if he follows the path of what his career is supposed to be, uh, I think Aiden Childs' ceiling is is immense. And I think you know, it's going to be like mm-hmm. you said, fall camp. And it's going to be awesome to see. If you think I'm crazy, my Twitter DMs are open. You can tell me I'm stupid. <laughs> That's fine. That's totally okay. I'll accept it.
<laughs> Again, thanks for joining us here on the Edge Podcast, publisher Brandon Slaughter, uh, joined by KJO Radio host and BeaversEdge.com writer TJ Matthewson. We're breaking down uh, Oregon State spring football. Uh, moving to the other side of the ball, TJ, because, you know, I, I think, folks, there's not a lot to say when it comes to offense uh, and specifically, um, you know, I mean, we can make a mention on tight end, which I think is going to be in a great position come fall camp when uh, Jack Bellings into a mix with Jermaine Terry, Riley Sharp, Jake Overman. I think there's a lot of depth and talent there. I think running back, <laughs> you know, you could throw a dart and pick Speaks out for a guy. Itself. <laughs> yeah, who's going to be a stud this year? Um, so you know, you know, we we all know what's going on there. Spring kind of showed us what we know. Uh, receiver, we'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast as we talk transfer portal. But as TJ mentioned, top of the podcast, uh, some good depth there. Silas Bold and Anthony Gould, John Dunmore leading the way amongst uh, some other guys. Uh, I think they feel confident as it stands right now. But switching over to the defensive side, TJ. You mentioned the defensive line. I wrote about it a little bit, too, uh, over the weekend. Is it a stretch to say this is the best defensive line in the Jonathan Smith era? Because I wrote about it. I think it is going away. We talked to Isaac Hodgins. He thinks so. Not a very high bar to clear to start. But Fair enough. he said Isaac Hodgins said for sure the deepest, which I'll agree yeah. with. I mean, again, they were rotating. I, I think I had five different guys with sacks during the spring game. I mean, and that's just with a very sped up game, right? Sure. Um, so th- th- it's not a stretch. It's not a stretch at all. And when, when we see guys like Takari Hickel really, uh, really light it up and 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 do the things he did. It's it's not surprising. I was very impressed with the group. I, I'm trying to comb back over my notes and see who else really uh really stood out. But it it was it was an impressive performance. And that was like the biggest that was the biggest question, of course, coming for this defensive line going into the spot, right? In the spring. They what's the one thing they needed to do? They needed to pressure the quarterback more. And well that's exactly – and, you know, the live public showing, that's what they did. I mean, Hodgins himself got a sack alongside Takari Hickel. Nico Taylor got a sack. And then Olu yeah. Omotosho also got in there. And we saw a bunch of guys getting close to the quarterbacks and getting some TFLs as well and really collapsing the pocket. It was really impressive. It, re- it really was. And that group is only going to get deeper uh, as the spring comes along and they get some more guys healthy over the summer. Without a doubt, and, you know, I think it's it's very on-brand, TJ, that you are sitting right where you're sitting because Oregon State has not had a defensive lineman record, I think it's more than four sacks in an individual season since number 95 right behind you, Scotty Crichton. Dylan Wynn, too, uh, number 45 there to your left or to your over over your right shoulder, I should say. Those were the last two guys that were, I would say, absolutely like effective at purely rushing the passer. I'm not going to say there weren't guys in between who weren't good at, you know, being good defensive linemen. But, you know, going back through, I wrote about this story in the offseason. It's been, you know, 2013, Scott Crichton had eight and a half sacks coming from a defensive line spot, right? Since then, I yes, there has not been a defensive lineman. TJ, record more than four and a half sacks in an individual season. You've had some by committee work, you know, even like this last year, right? 
not, you know, bad defensive production by any means, but it wasn't coming from the defensive line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and this group last... has a chance. I don't know. I don't know if there's like an individual guy right now we could point and say they're going to get more than four sacks. It's it's kind of sure. hard to tell. Sure, but it, it it is entirely possible. I think. Yes. I think. I think James Rawls could be in that mix. Yeah. I think. Um, I think Isaac I don't know Hodgins... if Andrew Chatfield. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if Chatfield is is going to get enough snaps, or I don't know if he's He'll... that pure of a pass rusher. Yeah, to, to far... quite to quite nail that. Yeah, I think he would probably count more as an edge outside backer than like right. a true like you know hand in the ground defensive lineman. But it, it, it's all subjective right. now uh, and definitely changes. But no, I think the other thing for Beaver fans that didn't necessarily get to watch the spring game that's of note, Isaac Hodgins looks like a different player this year. And I don't mean to say that like that he was bad last year, but he even said that when we talked to him earlier in spring was. You know, last year was kind of shaking the cobwebs off a little bit, for lack of better terms, after having those injuries, you know, getting back into the mix. And I think, you know, he obviously had a decision to make this offseason, whether or not he wanted to come back. He chose to. And part of that, when he was talking to us, was just saying he wanted to have a full, you know, where he felt like he was 100% throughout the year. He looked quick at the spring game. Uh, He's obviously got the leadership aspect dialed. And then the experience, I mean, he's been around for a minute. You can't you can't deny that. I think he he's another guy that's that's uh, on my mix as a uh, as as a guy. And then uh, last but not least, as a guy who I think's due for a big year, uh, is Sione Lolohea. I, I really yeah. really like the motor that that guy plays with. TJ, he doesn't take a snap off. We saw all those guys getting in the rotation as well. And what would be great for the Beavers, especially with the two you mentioned, Lolohea and Hodgins, they can get that interior pressure. We talk about mm-hmm. edge pressure all the time, but I mean, you turn flip on any like Aaron Donald tape and watch him just wreck a game because he's pushing the quarterback backwards and he's mm-hmm. pushing guys into the quarterback's lap. So we can't yep. throw the ball. I mean, you're disrupting everything if you generate that interior pressure. And the the good thing we saw from Hodgins in the spring game is he was like getting in the backfield from the interior, which would would it would be just another level because right, like the Beavers just scro- struggle to generate pressure in general. But if not only you can get pressure off the edge in this upcoming fall, if you can get pressure in the middle too, that's mm-hmm. that's something you might not. That's something like you don't even think about. And I, like we didn't even mention like Kelsey Howard's name. He, he I don't know. Right. He didn't like he didn't really pop at the at the spring game. But I'm I'm curious to see how he would do as mm-hmm. sort of that bigger guy who could slide inside in in a true like in a true say third down in a in a passing situation. You throw sure. 280 pounds of him inside and let him rush the passer from that spot and see how he does. Sure. And I think, you know, there's also, you know, uh, Quincy Wright is another guy who, you know, could could be a, a big presence in there as well. And, you know, um, got to mention Joe Golden as well. He had some moments throughout spring. But more than anything, TJ, I think it's just like the natural next step of progression that you like to see if you're Oregon State. Because this last year, despite not getting after the quarterback a whole ton, we saw this defensive line group, shut down opposing Pac-12 run games, right? And if that just means you need to, like you said, you just want to take that pressure on the line and just push it back a little bit more. You know what I mean? And I think that's where depth, uh, another year in Trent Bray's system, and, you know, so on and so forth, an influx of talent, a guy like Olu, as you talked about coming in, um, you know, Nico Taylor on the edge, so on and so forth. That might be enough just to push them over the top. I really do think there's going to be, 
this, you know, we mentioned it on a previous pod. I think it's reasonable to assume the secondary might be a little less effective than last year, just based on new faces getting into the mix, but the defensive line should be more complete. So I think in essence, if, you know, we'll get to the linebackers in a minute, you know, I think Oregon state still has a chance TJ to yield and field a defense that was pretty close to what they saw last year. The It will balance out like the defense, like a good defensive line, like you said, makes a secondary better. But as we're about to talk about the linebackers, I mean, you're losing Omar Spates. That also mm-hmm. makes the linebacker group as, better, too, because if the defensive linemen are up there getting those tackles, I mean, it doesn't matter who's behind you at the linebacker spot. If your first line of defense is taking care of most of the hard work on your defense, then everything behind it doesn't exactly. matter as much. It doesn't matter where guys are because the defensive line will – it will clean it up. They'll they'll blow up a running back in the backfield. They'll interrupt a pass play sure. and force the quarterback out of the pocket. They'll they'll cause a quicker throw so a quarter doesn't have to cover for as long. There's there's a whole number of factors of how important this improvement to the defensive line could be. And it's gonna be something yeah. we'll have to pay attention to as as August comes around. Certainly. And and getting into the linebackers, you know, obviously I think um, you know, he didn't play this spring, but John McCartan, I think, is gonna be in the mix for one of those edge rushing spots. We mentioned Drew Chatfield, uh, Nico Taylor, Corey Stover. I think that'll you know, we even saw um uh, um um uh, Matthias Malachi Donaldson uh, get into the mix as well uh this spring. So uh, I, I generally like where their talent is outside linebacker, inside, as TJ mentioned, a little bit more. Uh, of an unknown as we're going to be working in uh, Eastern Mascarenas, who obviously uh, played really well in relief last year. I think he'll lock down one of the spots. And then the other inside linebacker spots probably going to come down to uh, um, uh, the Utah uh, transfer Mason to Fega and uh, the pride of 12th in Oregon, John Miller, who uh, played a really, really good spring. Uh, full disclosure, uh, you know, being from, you know, just the town next door, TJ, uh, I'm selfishly rooting for John Miller uh, heading into this next season, being a local kid, local guy. Um, and throughout spring, he looked pretty good uh, at that inside linebacker spot. I think Mason obviously offers some high upside, but he didn't play a whole lot at Utah. Transferred over, has you know a couple years of uh, eligibility left, obviously. But more than anything, I think uh, I, I think you know John Miller is a true case of. Uh, have a guy come into a program, mm-hmm. pay your dues, pay your dues, and you're going to get your shot to play. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out Makai Tung either. I mean, he he was getting some good some good, good run, point. and he's, I would say he's fast enough for the part. I don't know if he's necessarily uh, as big per se, if you want. But man, that dude, that dude, he tackles, he's flying to the ball. I mean, he still looked like he needed to work on his tackling a little bit, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, it's been him and John Miller getting most of the run because we haven't seen Easton for you know, the good chunk of the second half of spring. So we were getting, it was a lot of John Miller, Makaya Tung uh, at that linebacker role. So I'd be curious to see among that group, who's really, uh, who's really going to step up and, and take that spot. They got, there's some big shoes to fill there in the middle. That linebacker group was awesome last year. So the expectation's pretty high. You know, interesting, you know, and, you know, we never mentioned this on the pod before, but I think it's worthwhile to mention little like father, like son, TJ. Uh, you know, yeah. Reggie Tong comes into Corvallis, obviously, I believe was recruited to play running back and then, you know, ended up defensive back and I think safety before, you know, he went off to his, you know, NFL career. 
so you never know, right? The, the, maybe the Tongue family here in Corvallis, uh, they're just meant to be on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, like, now he can, like, when we talked to him after practice, he can finally send his dad some tape and get some, <laughs> some evaluation some feedback. on how he's playing yeah, on, de- there you uh, go. on defense. There you go. So he'll go over the, you, you know, he, he's got a little little bit more insight on, uh, on, on you know, what looks schematically correct and, and all that. Yeah. And if he made the right read on a play and such. And he says, you know, he says he likes, he really does like playing defense. He says he, you know, enjoyed scoring touchdowns and playing receiver, but in the end, I mean, he just wasn't getting the run that he wanted to. And he thought, Hey, sure. I could, I could make this move to, to linebacker. And I think it, you know, I think he's going to play some critical spots this year. It's not like the dude doesn't already make an impact on, on special teams. He, he could be in there really blown up some guys. Uh, just a question if all the other, other aspects of, of the linebacker position will really sort of absorb it into his skin for uh, for for this first season of him going. Certainly. And, yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see if he offers, you know, some different – some upside there, some different play for, for, for certain because, you know, it's obviously – he's a very talented athlete that I think can definitely do a lot of things. Uh, so we keep an eye on him for sure. Uh, last but not least, let's wrap up in the back end and the secondary, TJ. Uh, obviously, you know – Big shoes to fill as, you know, Alex Austin, Rajon Wright, and Jaden Grantley behind uh, quite the legacy. But based on what we saw, you know, you got Jaden Robinson back. You got Ryan Cooper back. Uh, you know, you've got a couple other dudes who have been there, have some experience. Alton Julian will be due back uh, in the fall, obviously, as he gets ready uh, from, from his injury. You got Katano Ladapo there in the, uh, the way back end playing safety. You mentioned Joe Swen. Uh, I've liked him and uh, Trice Ivy uh, early on, too. Um, Ian Massey was a guy who also caught my eye throughout spring. I, I really do think they're going to be okay, TJ. Like, at first, I was, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, I, I had a high level of concern losing as much experience as they did, especially, you know, Alex Austin, who I caught me by a bit of a surprise, you know, uh, declaring early. The other two guys I kind of expected, but Austin, I was a bit surprised, you know, leaving, leaving. Uh, but overall, I think the depth is pretty solid, and I think they'll be in a good spot. Even with Skylar Thomas now out for the season, he, yes. he got hurt, I think, the last week of spring, which yeah. is really unfortunate because he looked like he was going to get a really good chunk of playing time, I think, as a safety. And yeah. he was playing pretty well during the spring from when I saw him. So that's really unfortunate for them. But otherwise – you know, that's the group there, like, you know, too deep. Like, we mm-hmm. saw at times last year where Rajon and Alex would, would come out and they'd put, put some of the younger guys in and there wouldn't be any drop-off at all. And they'd, right. they'd play really well. And those corners were really harassing the quarterbacks in the spring game. I mean, Joe mm-hmm. Swin picked off two passes. He picked off DJ once. Right. Picked off Don Montiel the other time. And those other guys, I mean, they're sticking to these receivers. They're really, they're really doing the, their job and – you know, the, when it comes to a corner, a coach can have a certain mold and have his guys want to play a certain system, and it works out pretty well. Um, and for, for some of these guys, I mean, Joe Swens, you know, he's a tall, lanky guy, and it, and it really works out for him that he's just kind of sliding into that spot that Rajon had, who another tall, lanky guy, and he's done pretty well. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see when he, you know, goes up against maybe some Anthony Gould uh, when, when sure. spring rolls around, when, sorry, when fall rolls around, and get you know some true one-on-one play uh but man he was good he was really good it was and it was a good it was a good showing for him and and for the rest of the secondary certainly and you know it's something else I alluded to I said you know I think the duo of Blue Adams and Anthony Perkins you know it's a little unconventional to have two coaches coaching the defensive backs 
think that's kind of one of the best kept secrets in the conference because they found some secret sauce this last year. And I think uh, that's going to certainly help Oregon State in the back end, you know, moving forward. And uh, we're obviously not done uh, talking spring and breaking it down. There's still plenty to discuss and talk about. Uh, TJ and I didn't get a chance to necessarily dive into the transfer portal as much as we wanted to either, but we're doing that on the next edition of the pod, uh, potentially next week as well as uh, I return from uh, my little uh, vacation as well, because TJ, they're, they're looking at guys in the portal. It's an exciting time. Uh, we're definitely going to be excited to bring you guys more podcasts. So again, big thanks to TJ Matthewson for uh, joining me as always on this edition of the pod. We'll be back soon with another edition of the Edge podcast, looking at the offseason, the transfer portal, Oregon State baseball, and much more.